Those who understand and embrace the power of creating evangelists and not just leaving it at the point of sale, right? Those are the ones who are going to succeed in this confusing and ever-changing marketplace that we're in right now. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about something most sales execs don't truly understand and even some marketers struggle to comprehend completely, and that is marketing itself. What is it? Why is it so difficult in B2B? And what should we expect from this arm of the business? To help us, we have with us Wayne Mullins, founder of Ugly Marketing. Wayne, thank you for taking time and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chad. Looking forward to our conversation today. So before we jump in, we always like to start with a random question, and we're recording this uh, at towards the end of January, early February, which puts us, you know, 31 plus days beyond the wonderful holiday season. And I'm always curious to remind people of the amazing break we had as as 2020 gets off to a hectic start. Would love to know what is your favorite story from your holiday season? Yeah, absolutely. So um, during the busy holiday season, we have uh, my wife and I have four kids. And, you know, so we're running back and forth doing all the holiday activities. And it was a long day. And it was just about supper time. The kids were hungry. We were in the car heading home and sandwiches were on the menu for that evening. And my oldest son, he is a salesman in training. He is always <laughs> honing his sales skills. So in the back, I hear him starting to um, build some following amongst the siblings saying that we really need to drive through Wendy's. And so he's building kind of consensus in the back saying Wendy's is what's needed. And, you know, we were tired. It'd been a long day and uh, Wendy's was literally coming up. So we relented. My wife and I relented. We drove into Wendy's and pulled up to place the order. And from the minute the gentleman greeted us on the little, you know, the little uh, speaker there, I could immediately tell that that gentleman was passionate about his job. He was enthusiastic and he genuinely cared about the person, which was us sitting in the vehicle on the other side, completely and totally blown away. So much so that the kids in the back noticed how enthusiastic and how personable this gentleman was. Uh, so I pull around to the window. It's a young gentleman, I would guess, you know, high school, maybe college age. And I complimented him and said, you know, your enthusiasm and your passion for what you do is going to take you a long way in life. And I, I tipped the guy at the Wendy's drive through taking the money. I tipped him 20 bucks. Wow. Um, and, you know, the, the lesson in the story, not only was it impactful for me, you know, hearing this gentleman who could have, you know, approached his job like so many do as just a mundane thing. I'm going to do my job and I'm not going to do any more. Um, but it also impacted my kids seeing the way that this gentleman was so enthusiastic about a job that most of us wouldn't be overly thrilled to have. So that's my favorite 
holiday story, even though it's not directly holiday related. No, it's it's a great story. I mean, mindset and approach and the way that we we choose to engage with the world around us says a lot about us and creates an experience that is memorable. That's a it's a great story. Thank you very much for for sharing that. So let's talk a little bit more about ugly marketing. How about some context for the audience around ugly marketing? How did this come into being and where was your passion for this from? Yeah, absolutely. So Ugly Mug Marketing is now in our 11th year. We just celebrated our 11th birthday. And it was really birthed out of a previous job that I had. So my passion when I was very young, I say very young, when I was in college, one year for Christmas, for whatever reason, my parents gave me some CDs by this gentleman of the name Zig Ziglar. Yeah. So lots of your listeners probably familiar with that name. The CDs were on, I don't remember the exact title, but something along the lines of like secrets of closing the sale. They were on sales. And Zig Ziglar did a phenomenal job of selling me, the listener, that selling was the best profession in the world. And that if you wanted to go places in life, if you wanted to have unlimited opportunity, you need to go into sales. And so I completely shifted my degree in college and decided that I wanted to go into sales. And that path going into sales taught me so much about life and business and, and really studying the craft of selling that um, when I started my own company, finally, after several years in, in selling, advertising selling specifically, I had a lot of people coming to me, asking me how we were growing the company so fast. The company at the time that I started was a lawn and landscape company. And my passion for that company centered around two things. It was one, selling, and two, marketing that company. And out of that growth of that company, a lot of our actual clients of the company and friends were coming to me asking for help with marketing and growing their company. And so it was out of those conversations that Ugly Mug Marketing was born. Nice. That's a great, that is a great trajectory. There are not a lot of people that we hear from that say they actually, you know, uh, wanted to go into sales, right? Most of the individuals <laughs> yeah, that we yeah. work with ended up there from some other path. Mm-hmm. So they need okay. to get some uh, good Zig Ziglar CDs. They'll, right? they'll help sell them. Well, I mean, that's a, that's one, that's one heck of a present. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. For your parents to give you. I mean, that's amazing. completely random. I don't know why or how, but that's what they gave me. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's start with, and this may sound odd to some of, some of the listeners, but I'm a, I'm a macro to micro kind of guy. So let's start with a definition of what exactly marketing is. Now, my career started in marketing and I, uh, my advanced degrees in marketing, I believe I know what it is, yet it has gotten so complex and multifaceted. I think it's probably not a bad idea to go back to the roots and come up with a, an agreed upon definition that we can use for context. Yeah, no, I, gladly. So one of the very first things that we start conversations with our clients with is defining what marketing is. Because as you just said, Chad, so many people have a misconception about what marketing actually is and what it means for them, for their business, for the company, et cetera. And so our definition is simply this. Marketing is your ability to attract and to keep a customer. So it's your ability to attract a customer and to keep. And here's what we know to be true. Most people confuse marketing and advertising. They believe they're interchangeable, that they're one and the same. And the reality is advertising is just one small piece or component of the attracting side of marketing. So that is how we define it. It's a very simple definition, but that simplicity is so profound. And oftentimes we... We think that uh, simplicity 
we kind of ignore it because it's so simple. But the reality is when you embrace those two things, attracting and keeping, it transforms every other aspect of what you do. Absolutely. And I, I'm a big fan of the simple, simple, right? Simple doesn't necessarily always mean easy, but it does, it does allow us to stay more focused and, and better measure our impacts and our, and, and our outputs, the things that we're doing. Like, is this going to help us attract? Is this going to help us keep a customer? Um, it, it's, I, I love it. It's probably the most concise and accurate on target definition of marketing I've heard, but that now we get beyond the definition and the question becomes in a B2B space, I, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm old. I'm just, I'm <laughs> saying that the, the gray in my goatee are platinum highlights. That's my joke with the kids. <laughs> there you go. Um, but what we, what we see in B2B, I mean, it's been this way for as long as I can remember is sales and marketing. Uh, there's friction, natural friction between them. And then there's a lot of demands on marketing. So do you think in the B2B space, you know, people have unrealistic expectations of, of marketing departments? Yeah, I, I really think they do. And I think, you know, if we, if we were to even boil it down to a very micro level, so as a salesperson, as you sit down, say, for example, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, whatever these avenues that you personally are using to try to network and connect with potential leads, what often happens is we use, or when we sit down and do these things, people default to what we would call a prayer strategy, right? So, you know, your sales volume is down, you're, you're behind on quota, you're just not making the connections that you need to make. And so what do we do? We, we finally reluctantly say, okay, I'll go give this LinkedIn thing a try or this Facebook thing a try. And we go and we craft this really great post or this really great article or whatever it is, we pour our heart into it. And then what we do is we, we say a little prayer, like, you know, please let this work. I really need this to work. And the reality is that, I have nothing against prayer. You know, maybe you should pray, but the reality is you have to be strategic in your marketing approach. If you want to see the fruits of that marketing approach and those marketing efforts pay off with sales and with attracting and keeping customers. Well, and it's a symbiotic relationship between marketing and sales. At least I, I, that's part of what I believe made me so successful once I had migrated into sales was that I had spent, you know, eight, nine years in marketing and had, had an understanding of that. And I like the, the prayer strategy. You know, we, we say hope's not a strategy. Hope's not a, it's not an account strategy. So we want to make sure that we're, we're being strategic about it. As we were prepping for this conversation, you mentioned something called the natural progression. I'm curious to know, uh, for our audience, what is that? And, and is it a way to use, uh, filter expectations and engagement with marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So the natural progression is a natural law. So, you know, just like if you were to go up on top of a building, and you jump off, obviously you're going to fall to the ground, right? We all understand the law of gravity and we don't violate that when, when it can harm us. The natural progression really stems from sales, but we've taken it over into the context of what we do, which is marketing. And it's simply this. So if you envision an analog old clock hanging on the wall, circular clock, it's got the hour hand, the minute hand, the second hand at the very top of the clock in the 12 o'clock position, you have out there in the marketplace, what would be called strangers. So those are people that you believe may be a good fit for your product, your service, whatever it is that you offer, but you don't know yet. They're still out there strangers. Over at the three o'clock hand or the, the three, three o'clock spot, you have what would be called friends. So to move someone from a stranger to, the, to a friend, there's some basic fundamental things that are required. First of all, they have to know about you, which is very obvious. Secondly, 
just like with any sales, they have to like you. They're not going to be your friend <laughs> if they don't like you. And so when we think of the sales process or the marketing process, we can't violate those two laws, right? We can't move someone from a stranger to a friend without getting them to know about us and without them liking us. So they could hate your product. They could hate your service. They could hate you. If any of those things are true, they're never going to be your friend and that's okay. That just means they're not a good fit. So then if we move down to the six o'clock spot on the clock, so we're going from three o'clock to six o'clock, we go from friends to customers. At customers is where the wallet comes out and that's what all salespeople are after, all marketers are after, is we want that transaction to, to take place. We want them to clearly understand the value in what it is we offer is greater than the money they're gonna have to pull out of their pocket and give us for that. Now, there's one core element that is required to move somebody from a friend into pulling out the wallet and you know, becoming a customer. And that is trust, right? So again, very fundamental things. So first of all, to move somebody from a stranger to a friend, they have to know about you. They have to like you. Next, to go from a friend to a customer, they have to believe and trust that your product, your service, that you are going to deliver on what it is that you say you're going to deliver and then the very last part of this process, and you know, for most salespeople, so like I spent a huge chunk of my time and I still spend a lot of time doing sales, but for most salespeople, this is where we believe it ends, right? We believe it ends when we get that transaction, when we get the order form filled out, we're done. Like we're moved on to the next, we're out in the hunt again, right? But the reality is, especially given the tools and technology that exists today, for all salespeople, for all marketers, we can take customers. And with a little skill and practice, we can turn those customers into what we would call evangelists. So an evangelist is someone willing to go out and tell their friends, their relatives, their coworkers, their network about how great you are, your product is, and your service is. Now, that's all, all very common sense and we know those things, but the reality is we don't practice what we know we should be practicing. And that's why I say it's the natural progression because, you know, there's, there's in terms of selling and psychology and the way it works, those three elements are absolutely true. We have to know, like, and trust to make that transaction take place. So that's summed up as best I can do it without visual. That's the best I can do. <laughs> that was great. It was great. And it's, I mean, I, I like the fact that it is all common sense. I have, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I don't mean to be cynical and skeptical, but it's amazing to me how many people chase the latest, greatest, shiny silver thing and realize that what they're doing is getting away from the fundamental basics that make people successful that are the, I don't want to say truths, maybe that's too heavy, but the laws, I like the word laws, we'll use that, mm, yeah. um, that, that make us successful. You know, people buy from people. And in order to do that, in order to have that kind of impact, you have to build trust, credibility, and rapport. And if you don't do it, then you're not going to have, you're not ever going to get them to that evangelist spot. No, absolutely not. And so when, when we think about how complex marketing has become, how diversified it's become because a lot of times because of the technology, I find marketing professionals struggle to stay focused to stay what we would call consciously competent, right? <laughs> stay in yeah. the moment, stay focused, make sure we're doing our best work. Are there tricks or hacks or whatever you want to call them that you recommend that marketing teams or individuals can use so they stay consciously competent each day? Yeah. And again, 
it's back to the fundamentals. You know, there, there's two questions that I believe that every single person on every single team. So, you know, company wide. So from the CEO to the person sweeping the floors, you know, taking out the trash to every single person in the company. If you are serious about getting results, if you are serious about moving the needle, you know, making a difference in the things that matter, then the two questions are simply this, have every single person answer these two questions. What did I do today to attract a customer? And then the next part of that question is, what did I do today to keep a customer? So very, very basic, very fundamental things. And it's very easy for someone listening to say, okay, that's obvious, that's common sense. But I would challenge the people listening to actually write those two questions down and force yourself to answer those questions every single day. And what I can tell you is this, that without conscious effort around those two questions, I guarantee you, one of those two is going to slip on a day-to-day basis. So keeping them uh, you know, front and center, it helps remind us of the simple, just like you said, Chad, the simple fundamental things that we should be focused on and not distracted by all the quote-unquote magic bullets out there in the marketplace that are vying for our attention. Yeah, I love it. We spend a lot of time with our clients helping them understand, like, uh, we do a gratitude exercise every, yeah. every morning. And, and for those that know me or spend any time with me, I, you know, I'm not necessarily, I don't come across as the most touchy feely kind of guy, but if you start to do that, you actually start to notice the difference in the way that you engage. It helps center you. It helps bring you back, helps remind you, helps you stay focused. So I love asking those two questions at the end of the day. I think it makes perfect sense because it's so easy to get distracted with. I've got, you know, 200 emails and Slack messages and Skype and somebody just posted something on TikTok or Snapchat or whatever the hell it is. And it's so easy to get lost in the noise that we stay away from and get unfocused from what is the actual goal. And so in, in that, if, if we're going to use those two questions at the end of every day to help bring us back, help make sure we're framing our day the right way, what are other pitfalls or the largest mistakes that you see B2B marketers making today? Yeah. Uh, One, I think, would be simply this, blending in. So all too often, what I think happens is that we get so entrenched and so ingrained in our specific industry that we lose sight of ideas, opportunities that may exist from industries outside of our own. Right. So a perfect example of this would simply be this, you know, when we think of drive through windows now, we primarily think of restaurants. That's kind of the first place our mind goes. But drive through windows were actually invented for banking and for pharmacy, not for restaurants. So if the restaurant industry had been solely focused on what all the other restaurants were doing, they would have never picked up the drive through window because they were staying, quote unquote, in their lane, right? They were staying right. in their industry. So number one is blending in. And one way to not blend in is to get outside of your industry. Look at what people are doing in other industries and leverage those things. You cannot blend in and succeed. Another one that I would say mistake is, it's just the default. I laugh because I'm so guilty of this myself is, you know, we're so trained to get the cell, like we get the cell, then we make sure, you know, we hand it off to whoever's doing fulfillment, whoever's delivering the product, the service, the goods, whatever it may be, that we completely ignore the power of creating evangelists. And so what I'd say is we have to be intentional about creating evangelists, about building those relationships beyond 
the sale. And I really believe that is going to be a huge point of distinction in the midst of all the technological changes that are taking place in the cloudiness and the confusion of the marketplace in general. Those who understand and embrace the power of creating evangelists and not just leaving it at the point of sale, right? Those are the ones who are going to succeed in this, this confusing and ever-changing marketplace that we're in right now. <laughs> and let's, let's talk about the changes for a second. So if you look, I mean, it's, I, I remember back in the day when people say, Oh, what's your five year plan? And, and now I just kind of laugh at that because in five years, you, you have no idea what, what the landscape's going to look like anymore. But when you look out one to two years, is there a emerging trend in marketing that you're the most excited about? Yeah. What I would say the emerging trend in marketing is, is going to be this and it's taking place now. And that is understanding the power of community and fostering and building community. So beyond just a product, beyond just a service, it's fostering and building communities around shared ideas. And what I really believe is as companies start to understand the power of community, embrace the power of community, that will be where the attention goes. And that will also be where there's high, high, high points of leverage for salespeople to insert themselves into those communities, but not in a way that is unnatural or, you know, unformed. So in other words, you have to interject yourself into communities that make sense based on you as the, the salesperson, the product, the service that you deliver. Because within those communities, this is true. And we see evidence of this every single day that people would rather trust a stranger that they've never met than to trust you or me as a salesperson. <laughs> so, you know, the simple way to, to for, for evidence of this, think about the last time you went to Amazon. It doesn't matter what you're buying. It could have been a tube of toothpaste, right? You're more than likely going to scroll down and look at the reviews. Now, you may not read all the reviews, obviously, but you're going to see, you know, is it a two-star rating out of five? Is it a four-star? You may look at the top reviews and see what they say about the stuff. So people are trusting those strangers who could all be crazy for all we know right. over what the company or the salespeople are saying about the product or service. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. First is simply as a founder and revenue executive, that makes you a prospect for sales professionals and always interested in understanding when somebody doesn't have a relationship with you, they don't have that trusted referral or in, what is it that you find captures your attention and helps someone build the credibility to earn the right to time on your calendar? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. What I would say is the people who get in front of me the most are the people who understand leverage, specifically leveraging relationships. So I get pitches all the time. I get incoming call, phone calls all the time asking to speak to me, to pitch me, whatever it may be. And the ones who get through to me, the ones who I connect with, always use a point of leverage. An example would simply be, hey, this is such and such calling. I was speaking with Wayne's friend, whoever. And he suggested that I reach out to Wayne and talk to Wayne about this. So that would be one. The other would simply be this. So I, I get email pitches all the time. And I just had, just two weeks ago, I had this very large company email me and they provide really nice client gifts. So they're a gifting service, a food specifically gifting service. And we spend about $10,000 a year sending food items to clients, to prospective clients, et cetera. And they knew that they got our name from somewhere else. They knew we were spending a lot of money on that. And the person reached out via email and said, Hey, 
Hey Wayne. So they did their research. They knew who to ask for. They, they sent it to me. Then they specifically mentioned, I know that you're, you're currently using our competitor. They mentioned the name and they said they didn't belittle the competitor. They built them up. And then they said, we would love to schedule just a brief call to learn more about how we could serve you. And so I wrote the person back via email and I just simply said, Hey, thanks so much for reaching out. This week is very busy for me. I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. Can you please reach back out next week and let's see if we can make this happen. And you know what? I never heard back from the person. And here's the interesting thing, Chad, that happens very, very often, very often. So for me personally, what I do is I like to now test people, right? If they're serious about connecting with me, I love giving people a chance. I love giving people an opportunity because if it weren't for those people who gave me opportunities and chances when I was starting out, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I want to give people opportunity. I want to give people chances, but they have to be willing to meet me. You know what I mean? So I like, right. I like testing people out, like check back with me at the end of the week. Yeah. You know, more often than not, I'd never hear back. Well, and it's a credibility, it's a credibility thing. It's a credibility and trust thing. If somebody's, if somebody gives you that in and you don't follow up, that's just poor, that's just yeah. poor skill and, and focus. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing or professional services people, one piece of advice that if they listened, you believe would help them crush their targets. What would it be and why? Oh, uh, that's a tough one. So there, there's three and I'll make these super, super quick. Number one is focus on the fundamentals. And we've talked about that already. But what I would say is for a lot of people listening, they might already know this story, but coach John Wooden, when he was at UCLA, after they began winning all the national championships, every high school basketball player wanted to go play for coach John Wooden at UCLA. He had literally, he could choose pretty much any high school star in the country because they all wanted to go play for him because of all the national championships. So here he is preseason. He has all these superstar high school athletes in his locker room. What does he do the very first day of practice? He teaches them how to put on their socks correctly. (laughs) And His reason is simply this. If you don't know how to put your socks correctly, you get a blister, you will miss practice. You miss practice, you will miss the game. Then, so you think about it, you've got high school superstars who've literally spent their lives playing basketball. The coach sits them down with a fundamental thing that all of these high school superstars learned in, you know, kindergarten or first grade or whatever age they learned to put on their socks, right? Three years old, whatever it is. He is teaching them how to put on their socks. The next thing he teaches them is how to tie their shoes. So here you have the most winning college basketball coach of all time, John Wooden. He's got a locker room filled with the most elite basketball players from across the country. And what's he focusing on first and foremost? The fundamentals. Right. The fundamentals. They're not that exciting. They're not as exciting as the latest, greatest social media app. But the fundamentals make all the difference in the world. And then the other one would simply be this. So I'm jumping to the second thing that I would say is like the thing that will accelerate anyone's growth, anyone's ability to reach their goals. It's this consistency creates miracles. Consistency creates miracles. Don't ignore it. Don't think I'm going to, I'm jumping on this bandwagon, do it for two days and then quit consistency creates miracles. We have to be consistent in the networking. We have to be consistent in all those fundamental things that we know work, but we get impatient. 
we get distracted by all the magic bullets in the marketplace and we lose the consistency. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Wayne, if a listener's interested in talking more about these topics or, or touching base, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Sure. They can find us on the web, just uglymugmarketing.com. It's got all my contact infos there, all our company contact infos there, and that's where they can connect with us. Excellent. Wayne, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on the show. It's been amazing. Thanks so much, Chad. I enjoyed our conversation. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. You know the drill. If you like what you hear, write us a tune on a review on iTunes. Until next time, keep learning, stay focused. Always find the other person's perception of value. Value Selling Associates wishes you nothing but the best success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.